It went missing during the Moralia conflict. Huh? What is it? It's not polite to eavesdrop! <laughs> he spotted me. Show yourself! <laughs> it's just some local kid. I wonder. Uh, I... I heard there'd been some fighting somewhere around here, and I... I just... Now I see. It's not that I don't understand how a kid your age could find this stuff interesting, but this place is still dangerous. You should get out of here as fast as you can. Okay, I'll do that. Excuse me. Young man! What do you think of the civil unrest in this country? <laughs> Uh, Graham? I said, what do you think of this country's civil unrest? I... well, I... I bet it's hard for you to be objective. All right, which side do you really support? Uh, I don't support either. Because I think both sides are justified. But then, many people are dying in the fighting. Lots of people are dying. I agree with you. Should a soldier like you say that? Do you consider us a nuisance for coming to this country? Well, a lot of soldiers here means there'll be a lot of casualties. But you're fighting too! <laughs> Why don't you let me see what you're hiding behind your back there? And welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. I'm completely innocent. I don't know why I'm here. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. Today we are watching episode 13 of Gundam Double O, Return of the Saint. <laughs> Not as good as Batman Returns, and by that I mean much better. That movie is awful. <laughs> that was one of the... Timber nuts. That guy. Yeah, Danny DeVito's the penguin in it. It should be great. He also straps a bunch of rockets to penguins that escape from the zoo. It should be great. <laughs> that one also has a Robin. And, is that the one with Robin and Batgirl, or is that uh... that's Batman and Robin that has Robin and Batgirl and Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze and Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy and Bane is in it and no one remembers that because it's the worst Bane that's been committed to media. Yeah, yeah. Batman Returns is worse than that though. <laughs> that's my hot Batman take, but I'm not wrong. <laughs> Is it even a hot take? I feel like that's like oh, just no, common consensus. No, people really hate Batman and Robin. Okay. I think Batman Returns is much worse. And most people think Batman Returns is decent. Why exactly? Do, do people hate Batman and Robin or do I think Batman Returns is worse? Both, because I'm interested. People hate Batman and Robin for a lot of justifiable reasons. The Bat credit card is the most meme one because there is a scene where Poison Ivy seduces Batman and Robin at a like celebrity hot person auction and they get into bidding war over her. That culminates in Batman pulling out the Bat credit card, never leave the cave without it. 
That's just a good Adam West joke. I don't know what you're talking about. Except for the fact that those are supposed to be a little bit more serious than the Adam West. Oh, no. The trick to loving Batman and Robin is to realize it's an Adam West movie with George Clooney in it. (laughs) (laughs) And that is why it's better. It also has Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, delivering such bangers as, What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! (laughs) So it's not a good movie, but it's got lines like that and how can you hate it. Whereas Batman Returns is one of the most boring movies ever committed to film. Michelle Pfeiffer is sleepwalking her way through it. Batman is barely in it. Danny DeVito is just this weird Tim Burton character in it running for mayor because he did that in the uh, uh, because the Penguin did that in the Adam West series. <laughs> did he? Yeah. That it, based on a pretty popular comic where the Penguin ran for mayor. Look, the Penguin running for mayor is not the problem with that movie. It's that it's boring as shit. And nothing happens. Despite the Penguin gluing rockets to a bunch of penguins and shooting them at Batman at the end of it. <laughs> and you thought they were flightless birds. I, I guess Batman v Superman is probably worse than Batman Returns. But is that a yeah. Batman movie or is that a Superman movie? The first word is Batman. <laughs> I, I say it's a worse movie, but like, I, it's a movie I like to think about less, but it's less boring. That said, uh, if I had gotten high before watching that movie like I should have, I think I still would be watching the funeral scene at the end where they shoot artillery in slow motion. I think that scene would have never ended for me, and my brain would be permanently stuck there. <laughs> it's a personal time hell loop. Yes. Well, this has been uh, Batman with Jeremy. Yeah, we get somebody wearing a mask this episode and doing martial arts. That's Batman-like. That, yeah, that's basically just Batman. Uh, um, I have problems with that specific A wealthy scene. man doing martial arts in a mask. We don't know. He's someone's butler. We don't know if he's wealthy. Brutler. Br- yeah, I'm sorry, Brutler. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's still he's still wealthy. Yeah, but they only pass the the money down to the women in that family. So they need it for those wacky outfits that she's wearing and her <laughs> pink uh, everything Vital. <laughs> yeah, her pink Vital. Yes. Yeah. Do we have anything to say about this episode, or do we just want to get right into it? Things happen. Things do happen. That is entirely true. Almost like a callback to how Seed used to have like a build up episode and then an action episode, except. The last episode was kind of both of those in one. This one actually, I feel like, is actually less actiony than you than it seems on the surface. Yeah, That's be- fair. I, I think because the high point of tension is actually not a lot of action. Yeah, the climax is not an action scene. Yeah. All right. So again, we are watching episode thirteen of Gundam Double O: The Return of the Saint. You can watch along on Hulu or Crunchyroll, or if you have the ancient DVDs, because Jeremy gave you them for Christmas last year. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have DVDs of this. You can also watch it there, or the slightly less ancient Blu-rays, if you're a pedantic asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Funny enough, I actually watched this on Crunchyroll. It's just more convenient. We start out with presumably a news broadcast talking about how the coup d'etat has been subdued, but terrorist attacks are continuing on the capital and throughout Azedistan. They're and not to go outside at any for any reason. That includes if your house is on fire. I love, we were just like looking at some random people's house. They have like a framed poster of Marina on the wall. <laughs> I, I think that actually works pretty well because it, I guess, not really subtly, but implies that these are one of those reformist families. It shows that she is effective as a figurehead, right? It also, unfortunately, does add a lot of credence to Tyler's pop idol theory. <laughs> Marina gives an address on TV where she asks the citizens to disarm, remain calm, try not to blow each other up. 
It says that she's the first princess of the kingdom. Are they just like trying out a monarchy for the first time? No, I, 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 first princess, I believe, is like crown like prince, a, basically. Yes. No, I think it is literally first princess because we've recently been told that she accepted this position. I think that they are trying out a monarchy, basically. That we found out that at some point in the recent past, they kind of rebuilt their nation and that she's part of it. I think Azedistan in the past was probably a monarchy. I don't think she's the literal first princess, but I think she is the first princess in this line of royal secession. It just seems weird that if she's supposed to be the ruler, why she is princess, not queen? Is she supposed to be the ruler, though? Because they have an assembly. This is stuff we've talked about a lot. Where do Marina's powers begin and end? Well, I mean, at the same time, if it's like a constitutional monarchy, Britain still has a queen. Yeah, but princess tested a lot better with the young generation they want her to influence. They're using the same logic My Little Pony did? Disney laws, Zach. Queens are evil. Princesses are good. (laughs) Does that mean Alia Sanchez is a queen? Of my heart. I was going to (laughs) say yes. So we get a like random dude on the side of the road basically blaming the United Nations and the reformists for the coup d'etat perpetrated by the conservatives. Yep. That's called politics, Zach. I'm aware. But we do see some people believe in God and Princess Marina. But not God, Princess Marina. No, that's in season two. (laughs) That's in Gundam 0040K. We also find out that they don't know where the Masood Rahmadi is. They're looking for him, but no one knows where he is. Marina says it's the worst possible outcome because with the antenna factory destroyed, the UN's engineers have withdrawn and Celestial Being is here as well. Everything they didn't want has come to pass and civil war and terrorism. And the only way out of the situation is to bring Masood Rahmadi under their protection, but he's still on a Call of Duty level. <laughs> and not eating in said Call of Duty level. And nobody in Celestial Being is named Soap. Or Price, for that matter. We then cut to the opening for the final time. Daybreak's Bell will be our opening sequence. I will miss it. Oh, I didn't realize this was the last one. I actually watched this one all the way through for the first time in a couple episodes, too. Good timing. So if you have any wishes left, we better scatter them over our airspace, is what I'm saying. (laughs) So the narrator tells us what's happened last time about the terrorism in Azedistan and the coup d'etat and how Celestial Being has to solve this problem without Sumeragi to help. And so it feels really awkward later and like the stakes were made up when Sumeragi shows up to help. (laughs) Yeah, it does specifically state without Sumeragi, their tactical forecaster. Can these dumb boys figure out... How to save Azedistan. Cessna's like, I only know how to swing swords. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that seems like it's been a pretty reliable use of his time. I feel like one time he also threatened a princess. Those are just verbal swords. So Chun Li's drinking some tea. and as <laughs> She has changed her hairstyle from last episode. Gotta do something while you're bored in the desert. She don't got Wi-Fi out here. I presume they do because of what comes later. Uh, you're right. She's got a hotspot. Yeah, it's off her phone. I was going to say it's off of the pink mobile, obviously. So Chun-Li and Lock-On are discussing Lock-On's theory that a third party is responsible for the kidnapping and is trying to create the civil unrest. Veda says that's possible, but Chun-Li asks if he has any evidence. I like, like that the Gundam pilots all have like standard issue tech shirts also. Well, I mean, obviously this is something that is uh, he wears under his flight suit so it makes a lot of sense that they would have that they all do i'm just laughing at the thought of tiari wearing one under his sweater (laughs) (laughs) lock on reminds us about the long distance missile attack that happened last week 
And he says that judging by the power of the missiles, they were probably launched by a mobile suit, which I guess seems reasonable. Uh, maybe by this universe's logic, I feel like anything could have done that. But well, I'm well, th- probably too strong for a jet because obviously mobile suits are bigger. They can carry a bigger payload. Well, you would have but- detected it. And I feel like if it was anything other than like a mobile suit, a tracked vehicle is probably not getting away from that in a, in a particular That's a good hurry. Call. And yeah. like a ship from offshore would have shot larger missiles. And they probably would have been able to detect them from farther out. So Lockin's like, I don't know what's going on, so I sent sets in it to investigate. Because the rest of us would stand out too much. Also, if you're looking for clues, you have to split up first, gang. <laughs> Although, I do, like, his logic is sound. We stand out way too much, not realizing that Setsuna appears to stand out just as much. I think it's only specific spots. I don't think we were supposed to take that scene last week as there's nowhere Setsuna can go where he will blend in, as much as he was in the wrong part of town for him. Anyway, Detective Setsuna's on the case. Investigating Utah. With his phone. <laughs> it has very like Batman detective mode vibes to me if he's like scanning, scanning, or I guess more Metroid. Scan that, not a clue. Scan that, not a clue. He says, uh, according to Lock-On's information, the missiles were launched near here. Residual hey, look, I found it. <laughs> yeah, again, detective mode. <laughs> what residual readings of what? Missiles. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, how does that translate to mobile suit? Is it... Residual readings from thrusts? Like, is fuel? it the fuel system? Is it... Fuel seems the most likely, right? As they are all mobile suits just mildly radioactive? I mean, they are in traditional Gundam, but I feel like we've gotten away from that. So Setsuna goes up on a ridge, but he sees a Graham Acre and a Billy Kataragi checking out scanning with their scanning wands. What I love is that he actually doesn't realize it because he's too busy looking at his phone for a few steps, and then he's like, oh shit. And uh, yeah, so they're they're walking around. Apparently that's a different flag. It's not Graham's flag that's standing guard there, because it's not black. So they're like, yeah, it appears to be a PMC mobile suit, and Graham's like, so what did they say about it? And Billy's like, well, they disavowed all knowledge, like you do. It went missing during that last conflict where it was apparently stolen, and Graham's like, hang on. I sense a child. Before we move on to that, do we take this as literal? Do you think the PMC trust, like, do we think Sanchez ran away with the enact and the PMC trust is being on the level? Or do we think they have given Sanchez these shady orders and are just denying it? I think they gave him one for legitimate purposes and then he ran off with it later. I think it's kind of along the, like, they gave him the enact because we do see him show up later in the PMC trust area, like, and talking to someone. So if he legitimately stole it at that point or any point shortly after, they would have been able to recognize that or hold him prisoner. So I think they're actually lying through their teeth. I think he didn't steal it at all. I don't necessarily think that he is following their orders that are to set up this conflict, but I do think that they know who has the mobile suit, but they are saying that they don't know because, you know, they are disavowing knowledge of it being in the area. Yeah, he's a disavowed agent, basically. So like Zach said, Graham is like, wait a moment, my shonen boy senses are tingling. Look up on that ridge. Behind the <laughs> uh, the rock that you can't see through. And he calls out, he's like, uh, it's an implied to eavesdrop. You know to, that, right? To be fair, they totally could have seen Setsuna while he was just <laughs> standing up there earlier, so. No, but the thing is, like, he only does this after Setsuna is behind the rock. So I kind of love this sequence where Setsuna tries to act all cowed and like he's and just meek. Yeah. Um, what, what I wrote down was Innocentsuna. <laughs> um. <laughs> I actually really like this whole sequence too of Setsuna pretending to be this meek child. 
it works on Billy here. But Graham's like, mm, my main character senses are tingling. I don't think he's just a loco boy. This guy clearly has character design. Look at that outfit. Sensus is like, I just heard there was fighting around here. And, uh, you know, and Billy is like, ah, yes, I too like the shonens and would like to see some cool mech fights. But it's dangerous. So you should not be here. And Graham is like, there are no towns near here with children. <laughs> that He looks way too Japanese and educated. Do you see that bow? That is the bow of a Japanese polite person, not a Middle Eastern <laughs> polite person. And like, as soon as he turns away, like his expression totally changes from that like meek Setsuna to uh, regular Setsuna. Regular Setsuna. So Graham Shonen's at him, by which I mean calls him Shonen, or young man in English, which is as good as you can get, but not nearly as good as Shonen. It's the same thing with All Might and Midoriya. Yeah, exactly. Shonen Midoriya. And he's like, uh, so what do you think of everything that's going on? And Billy's like, Graham, why are you asking this kid? <laughs> why are you asking this kid about politics? It's like, you can't be objective, right? You must support one side or the other. And Setson is like, mm, no, not really. I think they're both kind of valid, but also they're getting lots of people killed, and I am not a fan of that. I do like how every time he turns around to actually face Billy and Graham, like his expression immediately changes so that, you know, he, he doesn't look like I am angry. I am going to uh, try and put a foot in your face as soon as you come close enough. I think he is giving a sincere opinion, though. I was actually going to ask whether we not whether we thought this was Setsuna's actual opinion on the matter. I don't think he actually really has an opinion on the matter, which is why he's giving this waffly opinion. I honestly think that this might be what he really thinks, is he just doesn't like conflict, which is why he wants to... Like, that's his motivation for being an celestial being, I think. So Graham's like, hey, do you think us coming to this country made it worse? And he's like, well, you've definitely increased the casualty count. <laughs> you've added to the body count. And, and Graham is like, yeah, but you're fighting too, aren't you? What are you you're hiding behind you? And Setsuna at some point pulled a gun and got it behind his back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's super weird because earlier we saw him put his hands up. He, well, he had his hands up, and then he turned around, and he had them down. But my question is, where exactly was he keeping the gun in the first place? He has kind of a voluminous shirt. I don't know. I feel like you could just cram that in there somewhere. Spandex or, space, Zach. Or, like, un, like he's also got, like, a long billowy shirt, so maybe on his, like, upper thigh on the back. But yeah, I don't know either. Also, can we talk about this gun design? Because my theory is absolutely that they made it look ridiculous to make it easier to edit to look silly in other countries. So it looked like like a gun. <sighs> yeah, it looks really ridiculous because it's got this really big front piece that's almost like a a bag. Like It looks a bit like a sci-fi gun. Like you could make that. Like It almost looks like a Halo plasma pistol, right? But it looks like a real ass pistol with like a bit bolted on to make it look <laughs> yeah. like. And uh Sets in a glares at Graham, like, how dare you figure this out? He's like, ooh, scary. Now we shall have a shonen stairs. Anyway, Billy, uh, the mobile suit that attacked the receiver antenna with the missiles two days ago, that was an enact, the latest AUU model, right? And Billy is like, why are you, why are you bringing <laughs> this up now? Very poorly. Like, the writers don't know how to get this information out. And Graham is like, and furthermore, the unit was stolen from a PMC in Moralia? And Billy's like, yeah, we were and literally we're just talking about this. Anyway, we're leaving now. And Billy's like, the Wait, what? fuck? The fuck? <laughs> and why did you do that, Graham? He's like, oh, I wonder why. I'm just such a Libra. 
<laughs> I've completely forgot about that. That is going to be my running reason for any time Graham does anything because he said that. And so Setson is like, and an act from a PMC, I only know one of those. And it's driven by an asshole. <laughs> and I mean, he, he immediately jumps to, it's got to be Sachez. I mean, he's right, but like, there's no real thing that reinforces that other than potentially an act stolen from Moralia. We, as the audience, know they only had one in act. And so Setson is making the assumption. It seems like the best guess to make with the information he has. And he does happen to be right because coincidence is the engine that drives story. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it. it I, I'm making a little bit of fun of it. But yeah, it does actually make a lot of sense for him to make that immediate jump. But it shocks Setson as so much he drops a the, gun. The question that I have about that scene is, do you think Graham has figured out or thinks that Setson is a Gundam pilot? 100% yep. I do. Yep. I think that has to be what happened there. We were talking about this a bit off the mics, but Shonen is also what he called Setsuna when he was fighting the Exia in their first encounter. So, And he does not call Locke on that. He does not call Daryl or Mason Shonen. <laughs> Shonen Daryl. <laughs> Cut to some terrorism, and the flags are flying over it, again talking about how bad mobile suits are at fighting terrorism. A weird common theme in this show, trying to sell you toys. <laughs> Buy all our playsets and toys. Warning, Gundam models do not stop terrorism. <laughs> well, I mean, it is something that I've said, we, we said a few times, like Gundams can't really deal with terrorism, except when Celestial Being decides they have to end that episode. <laughs> so Daryl and Howard are like, man, we need some anti-terrorism drones. And they're like, they won't send any here. We're only here to capture Gundams. You don't need anti-infantry for that. And uh, they don't want to add more military units to this cut to what looks to be some looters but there's this i think pretty good subtle shot of a poster of marina in the window of the shop they are stealing from that gets a lot less subtle when somebody tears it off well it just kind of like reinforces part of that idea of it's like yes we're going to use this as a reason to re to enrich ourselves we don't really care except for it feels like but also we are politically on the side of the terrorists so let's rip this poster down cut to marina watching her own commercial Complaining about how powerless she is, how at least Relina Darlin would jump in front of Duo and demand Hero kill her, because that was her kink. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get, I'm just picturing like the other Gundam pods, Relina popping up and doing something like that, and then being like, dude, she's still following you around? So there's a knock on Marina's door, and her secret agents open the door for the Man, maid coming in. These are the worst. Yep. Yes, absolutely. She's got something in her hand that appears to be a serving tray, but they seem even worse because we cut away from her, and when we cut back, she's got a gun. And she doesn't, like, throw the tea set to reveal a gun beneath it or anything like that. She's just got a gun. Everybody run. <laughs> and then she uh, takes her uh, long-ass time to yell at Marina, and then her bodyguards are like, yes, finally our initiative has come up in the order. <laughs> This does kind of retroactively justify why Marina thought Setsuna was there to kill her, if it happens this often, and her guards are this bad at her. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it does. Uh, she gets shot down, though, by the guards. Shot down. They look very much like Kaiba Corp security here. <laughs> Maybe they had to wait for their fingers to turn into real guns again. <laughs> My hair is telling me Where's to protect safety? you. So Marina's like, why? Why do people hate so much that they would walk in pretending to have tea and try to shoot me? <laughs> you know what this means, Marina? You just need to start investing in some bulletproof dresses. So cut back to the pink mobile. 
where Lock-On has got a text and a phone call from Setsuna to go to point F3987. And Lock-On's like, what's there? And Setsuna's like, maybe nothing, but there used to be a terrorist base there that I know about for very legit reasons. So I think we should check it out. <laughs> and Lock-On does have the logical response of, well, it's better than sitting on my ass here. And Chun-Li's like, hey, take my brother with you. He needs to stretch his legs. <laughs> he hasn't done anything this series, and he could be helpful in a rescue operation. He took rescue skills, <laughs> like first aid and... And acrobatics, <laughs> a acrobatics, very important tumble. rescue skill. His name is apparently Hong Long. Also, his class is martial artist, and we don't have those mobile suits from G Gundam that lets you martial arts in them. So <laughs> he's got to use his skill somewhere. You get some good techno babble of Setsuna prepping the Exia. Oh, we've seen this before. Yeah. We do get it in a lot from Lock On as well, though. So I do like the scene where Setsuna runs up to the Exia, and then it just cuts to him being in the cockpit. And I like to imagine he just jumped 20 feet in the air to get in there. <laughs> we do know the Exia has a lift wire, but I'm willing to imagine that. <laughs> he didn't jump up 20 feet in the air. You're right. He parkoured up. He did exactly. wall kicks. He's, he did some Super Mario wall kicks between exactly, the Exia's yes. legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how it works. The lift wire is only for when he's feeling lazy. I think this is also the first time that we see that the uh This is the first time Dynamis. we've seen anybody else use that cloaking thing but yeah. it was logical to just assume they could all do it yeah it's I not always, super surprising I, I really like the like the poncho wings that the dynamis has yeah the shields look make it look much better than it did before it had them so the terrorists tried to give the religious leader water but he won't accept it the like disgruntled look on the face of the dude that was trying to give him water is pretty great <laughs> And all Sacha's like, I'll leave him a row. I'll let him be. All the people here are super stubborn. And Celestial Much of McCullough's ruining my plans. Bah humbug. Angry water. I do kind of love that he just has a water bottle. Makes perfect sense, but it's such a tiny detail. I really like it. And they're like, um, boss, something's coming our way. He's like, is it a Union Patrol? He's like, no, it's a Gundam. We're going to say the name of the show as many times as we can this week. <laughs> Although he says, it's the white one. I'm like, you know, I'd probably call the Exia blue. The blue one? Yeah. Not, not yeah. white? Because, I mean, under that logic, you could call all of them the white one. Because on these ones, uh, white's more of a highlight color, as opposed to most Gundam series. Yeah, I guess the... Uh, the Why can't I think of Tiara? The Virtue. The Virtue doesn't have any white on Oh, I guess it does, actually. Yeah, yeah it's like white and gray. Yeah. I actually was going to say that I think the Virtue is the most, the white one uh, of all of them. Actually, I think Nodley is the white one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the redhead. That it gets overridden by the fact that it has glorious flowing locks. Yep. Then we don't get an eye catch. Well, hello, hi there, and welcome to 2022, and I guess a new episode of Gundam. Thanks for listening, everyone, to episode 13. I'm going to declare this is a lucky one. Don't have a whole lot to announce. I think I mentioned last week that we finally got around to recording our Journey to Jaburo bonus content, although we haven't started um, editing that. And hey, thanks everyone who joined us for our game night playing Satisfactory this week. Uh, that was a ton of fun, and we actually got more people on than normal. We're going to be trying to do that one again some other time this month. Uh, so if you have any interest in joining or just chilling out with us while we craft some sweet iron ingots, then feel free to hop on. I don't think I have anything else. Thanks again for listening, and here's the new year. Yeah. All right, back to the episode. Setsuna has some flashbacks to child soldiering, wondering what Sanchez is up to now when he comes to meet him in his cool enact. 
telling his terrorist buddies to take the old man and escape while he distracts the Gundam. I mean, it is a little bit quick to assume that the Gundam already knows where they are hiding out if he was just passing overhead. I mean, it could also be a we don't want him to be collateral damage situation. I don't know. And also, probably the Union is going to show up if they figure out a Gundam is No, I mean, like, here. if he was just moving, if he was just traversing the area, they still have to fly from point to point. So if he was just flying over and going by, the fact that they jump him and indicates that something's here. I mean, obviously, we know that Setsuna knows that this is an area, but they don't, they shouldn't immediately know, hey, he's actually coming here specifically. I read it based on the angle right before the lack of eye catch, actually, as Setsuna was starting to descend and head towards them. Okay, that would make a little bit of sense. I would also say, regardless, it makes sense for Sachez to engage him because Sachez wants that sweet, sweet Gundam money. Depends on what they're here to do to begin with. Yeah, who knows is I mean, the answer to that question. But the Gundam is still his golden snitch, right? If he gets a Gundam, he's rich beyond his wildest dreams. It doesn't matter what he was doing beforehand. If you win the lottery, you're not like, oh, but I have a job. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true enough. So Sacha says the pilot is that boy from Krugis. I don't know if he has figured out, hey, it's that Setsuna kid that I taught. Or if it's just like, oh, the one from Krugis who came out that I figured yeah. out was from Krugis. I read it more as the second than the former. Well, the thing but... is, uh, with the previous one, he said, could he be from Krugis? No, couldn't be. Like, he discounted the idea. And now here he's turned around and been like, oh, yeah, it must be that guy from Krugis. That was the tequila he had earlier. <laughs> so it, it's very straight. Like, it's not specific as to what we're supposed to think he has here. His next line is, oh, then of course you would know about this hideout. So maybe it's like the final nail of the coffin for him. If, yes, you're definitely from here. Like you knew me. You knew about this place. So that must be where you came from, even if he doesn't know specifically which random boy he was. I mean, it kind Ali al Sanchez strikes me as a, for me, it was Tuesday sort of guy when it comes to raising child soldiers. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it kind of says that in this upcoming thing here. Like, I don't pay attention to all of you. It was just convenient because I didn't have to pay you to fight for me. Which is weird because we saw him actively protecting some of his soldiers by telling them not to go into combat when we first got no, introduced. No, that's why he would have used the child soldiers so that he doesn't, because he doesn't have to pay them but he can use them to preserve the lives of people who he considers more valuable. Yeah, it's just a he's like he's quite, a, he's like empathetic, but maybe not actually empathetic. Maybe he's just entirely profit driven. I would say that. I mean, I think I said it on the previous episode. He is extremely intelligent, completely and utterly amoral and ruthless, but intelligent and willing to keep people alive who he knows can do their job, which does not extend to child soldiers. So he starts shooting at the Exia, which does some very cool aerial dodges, and they get into a sword fight. He does say, like, that would have guessed that punk, kind of implying that he's talking about somebody specific, like he's figured out who the who is piloting Exia. That's true. And so Setsuna comes back and goes, hey, isn't your war over? Krugis has been destroyed. And Sach is like, he's talking to me? He didn't want to do that last time. And proving he is the third Shar, Sachez responds with a kick. <laughs> and when uh, when Setsuna does say Krugis was destroyed, Sachez's response is, I know, and he's super gleeful about it. Again, it's like the, uh, for me, it was Tuesday situation. Setsuna demands answers about why he's here and where his god is now, but Sachez is just like, I don't answer to you, punk. So Setsuna's like, fine, I'm taking your arm then. But apparently taking an arm is Setsuna's weakness, because every time he does so, <laughs> he gets counterattacked and thrown into the mountain in this case. And Sacha's like, hey, it'd be a shame to ruin your cool Gundam. Why don't you just give it to me? 
And Sessin is like, no, I have hip swords. <laughs> well, he, so he actually does cut off the arm there. Originally, it was just he cut off the gun. Yeah, he it wasn't the whole arm the first time. I don't know what it was. I think it was just his gun. Okay. So Sacha's like, hey, you ruined my cool mobile suit, so I have to leave. But at least things are going to plan, and I bought enough time for my friends to escape. I actually do like the fact that he he bails as soon as he takes damage because it's like, yeah, this is going to be expensive to fix. Especially since he has a basically experimental new suit. I mean, it's not actually experimental, but it's got to be very difficult to get parts for that, even within the military it's a part of. Meanwhile, a convoy of trucks runs into Lock-On. Specifically, the convoy of trucks that is carrying uh, Rachmati. Okay. So Lock-On shoots in front of these trucks, but does not destroy anything. He just causes them to stop. Fine. Then Hanlon, in a mask, runs up at these guys who are shooting at him with automatic guns. He gets extremely lucky that they're really bad shots. And- he has uncanny dodge, Tyler. Oh, uh, that's fair. Um, <laughs> then he goes up and kicks them. And I'm like, oh, they're trying to do this non-lethally. Okay. But then Lockout just shoots a bunch of guys in the head anyway. So why didn't he just blow up the first truck? They can't risk killing the VIP, right? That's that, that was the reason I, I had for why they didn't destroy the first truck is because they weren't entirely sure which one he was on. And so they didn't want to accidentally kill him. Or, you know, even if they knew he was on the second one, destroying the first truck could have caused shrapnel and debris to hit him and kill him. That's entirely fair. This just seems like an unnecessarily dangerous plan for Hanlon. I mean, yeah, Hanlon should be Swiss cheese. I love action movies. I love Matrix stuff. I love dodging bullets. But, like, literally two people are shooting machine guns at him as he runs up with no cover. There's a reason Batman pops up behind you and grabs you. <laughs> uh, but Hanlon does a flying kick. And then they get Brutlard. But three of them are smart enough to take a hostage and point their guns at the VIP and like, hey, if you keep moving, we're going to blast him. And then he takes the the guy threatening Rachmati takes a bullet right between the eyes. As and then his two buddies do too. And we cut to lock on with a sniper rifle in the Dynamis. I think the most ridiculous thing about this, Tyler, is that he fired those shots in very quick succession. That rifle is bolt action. <laughs> Not in the future, it isn't. <laughs> yeah, uh, although you can definitely see the you can see the bolt. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can see the actual thing for it. Yeah. There are three bolts in the chamber before you have to pull the bolt. It's future sniper rifles. So Lockon says, "Hey, I was afraid I'd be rusty, but I guess not." Which is implies he was a sniper before, which makes perfect sense. I mean, it do, it does make perfect sense that he would be driving the sniper Gundam. So Rockmod is like, "Who are you?" And Hong Kong goes, "Celestial being." And he says, what is Celestial Being? And I don't know if he's been living <laughs> under a rock or is being philosophical. Like, genuinely, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I kind of think he doesn't know. He's been so super duper focused on this specific area and Celestial Being hasn't shown up here yet. So I think this is legitimately the first time he's hearing of them. Regardless, Hong Long gives a very clinical answer of we're a private armed organization that uses force to uh, intervene in conflicts, such as the civil war going on in your nation right now. And to be fair, Rachmada looks shocked for a second by this, which makes me think he legitimately had not heard of Celestial Beans somehow. He's been in a, literally in a Call of Duty level tied up, so he probably didn't know they were intervening. Yeah, and so uh, then Exia shows up and offers dude his hand. And Setsuna gets out and says, hey, also take my literal hand. I'm not going to fly you in a hand that's terribly dangerous. Get in, though, as I am flying you to the Apparently, palace. we have enough space behind these seats for people to stand. I mean, that's pretty consistent, right? Amuro did install the girlfriend seat in the new Gundam, but all the other ones, it's usually just 
enough room for two people. Lacus was in there with her pregnancy dress. <laughs> I was just uh, thinking pregnancy of- uh, spacesuit. Spacesuit. Well, the, the dress was the part that was the pregnancy, but yes. <laughs> but she was she was not behind it. She was sitting in Kira's lap the entire time. Well, yeah, because they're horny teens. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine Setsuna getting down and be like, "Come with me. I can show you the world." Shining, shimmering condoms. <laughs> so Sumeragi has Skyped them and sent them a mission plan via text. Remember at the beginning of this episode, there's like, can they do it without Sumeragi? No. It doesn't matter. <laughs> apparently not, because apparently they've gotten close enough for their uh, WhatsApp to connect. And uh, shock of shocks, Tiaria is pissed at the plan. Yeah, Tiaria disapproves. Uh, he's that one member of a uh, Bioware game who just like every time you do something, it pisses him off. He's the Karth. Yeah. <laughs> Even a slight mistake in the Exio would, but Sumeragi, with her boobs very out, is like, hey, it's the best chance we have of succeeding. Well, she's trying to go for that uh, diplomacy bonus against horny teenager. Yeah, she should have realized she, she needs to play to our audience, Zach. Uh, he's not Lichty. It works for Alleluia, though, because Alleluia is on board with the plan. I think this is more Alleluia continuing to just become chums with Sumeragi. This doesn't read to me at all sexual it reads to me as chums no it <laughs> although it, it kind of does read more along the lines of what alleluia has been like kind of portrayed as from the beginning like this is a non-violent way of doing exactly what celestial being has been trying to do to begin with and his argument is in fact that they need to show the world celestial beings true ideals and this is not a way just to do we it. are we have more firepower than you our, our true ideals are not peace through superior firepower. So cut to someone not trying to kill Marina. Being like, hey, we got a message from Celestial Being. They said they captured, or they said they rescued Rachmati and are bringing him to the palace and would like you to start negotiating a ceasefire. Who do you think from Celestial Being sent this message? Chun-Li. So Marina's like, okay, let's start immediately. And Shiren starts to say something. She's like, look, I know it could be a trick or a trap. Uh, but I want to believe in it. I've had such a day. Please just <laughs> uh, let me have this. I did have the immediate thought of Celestial Being has kind of shown that they don't actually need to trap anybody. Like, they don't have any needs of doing some kind of subterfuge like this. It, Celestial Although, Being has never lied, right? Celestial Being has never lied. The only reason why it could be seen as a trap is if it was somebody else yeah. contacting them. And that's where I think the trap idea comes from. If it was Celestial Bean. <laughs> Celestial Beanstalk. No, Celestial Being, it's just spelled with an S. <laughs> so we cut to a bunch of protesters outside the palace, which is guarded by a bunch of Humvees and four amphs. And the flag fighters talking about whether or not it's true Celestial Being is coming. With the hostage. And how it would be a great chance for them to get another rematch. And Gary's like, yes, 1v1 me at Baron Bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the newscaster being like, yeah, Masood Rahmati is supposed to be coming here in a, in a Gundam. Talk about traveling in style. We, hey, we get the president of the Union. We haven't seen him in a while. We get all of the presidents watching this on TV. The least important characters in this series. No, that's Lacti and Lacti. <laughs> as well as uh, Smirnov and his daughter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> these kind of scenes, I don't know why they always make me laugh. when Sergei, Especially when Sergei's sitting down and she's standing and they're the same height. Well, I think the problem is, why is she there? Doesn't she have something to be doing? 
She's there waiting for orders. I mean, this is probably related to the Gundams, right? So it wouldn't actually make sense that they would watch this together. Well, the That's thing, fair. But the thing is, it would also make sense that they would be doing it in like a briefing room yes. with all with a bunch of other people. It's it, weird that it's just these two. Which is why it makes him look like a uh, dad and his daughter just watching the news. <laughs> while she's a very serious walk. They were having like some tea and crackers or something and the news just happened to come on. They're Russian, Tyler. They don't do tea and crackers. Vodka and potatoes. <laughs> she had to have a Capri Sun because she's not old enough. I still want that picture of Soma Pierce with a tinfoil hat drinking a Capri, Capri Sun. <laughs> I might have to commission it. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll get me for Christmas. <laughs> a commission of Soma Pierce in a tinfoil hat drinking a Capri Sun? Sounds pretty good to me. Gonna set that as your avatar in Discord then? I have to, right? <laughs> Yeah, so we, we actually flash through pretty much every major character in the series, which is quite a few of them. Uh, <laughs> Louise's mom hanging all over Saji, which annoys Louise. She's very good at She's making face. angry Jigglypuff face. <laughs> Whenever series like this that are super serious go to that, like, 15 frames choppy animation for stuff like that, it always makes me smile. Like, when Louise is yelling at her mom, it's not yeah. fluid animation, it's, like, keyframe I gotta say, I kind of like Marina's, like, standard princess garb. Yeah, it's not a bad design. Staring at the shoulders for a long time makes me think they shouldn't work. Like, they, they look I good agree. visually. They, it looks like the, the fabric should not actually act that way to make them pauldrony. But I only feel that way when I stare at them for a long time because I'm doing this podcast. So, the XE is coming on down, and it's the same, again, it's the same way it came down originally in the very first episode. But he doesn't have any weapons. Yeah, he's specifically unarmed, uh, which is something that Graham notices. He does a scan, and it says unarmed. And Sheeran is like, the fool! And Marina immediately was like, they come in peace, do not attack! So what happens? Immediately following her order to not attack the Gundam, people start shooting at him. To be fair, I assume these guys are just random guys with guns. I assume these are conservatives. Yeah, the amps attacking it. Yeah, For no good reason is, I think, a different matter. Random guys with guns do about as well as you'd expect. Maybe slightly worse. <laughs> they are, like, tackled by uh, law enforcement. It's subtle, but, like, as the Exia starts moving forward, you can see them being, like, grabbed by somebody. Is that what Luis is trying to bring Saji's attention to? Because we cut to Luis and Saji watching, and Luis goes, Saji, look! And I have no idea what she's trying to point out to I think them. she's pointing out that it's moving. Like, it's, right. it's walking towards the palace. And now here's where the amps, after having received an order to not attack the Gundam, open fire on the Gundam. Yep. While demanding to release their hostage. Daryl asks what they should do, and Graham's like, be quiet, I'm thinking. We gotta watch how this goes. But Setsuna's being very obviously non-threatening here. He came unarmed, he's walking very slowly. He's not, like, flying forward at any speed or anything like that. He's just, like you said, slowly walking forward. So the amps open fire, and Marina's like... Why am I so useless? I literally <laughs> gave the order, and no one will listen to me. What the fuck? So it just face tank. Well, I guess not face tanks. Arm tanks the shots, and then resumes walking forward. And then apparently the message gets through to the amps, or they're like, you know, it didn't do anything anyway. So they're just going to, like, part and make way. And Seth like, this time, yes, father, I shall become a Gundam. <laughs> I, I do love how the amps are just like, well, it didn't do anything. <laughs> Very sorry, sir. Please move along. <laughs> Please don't kill me. So the Exio walks right up to the balcony of the palace, kneels down for it, puts out his arm, and is like, here's where you get off. Make sure to rate me on Uber. 
<laughs> five stars, please. And he's like, mm, the ride was not very comfortable. I think I can only give you four. <laughs> also, no water bottles. Setson's like, I'm sorry. I do have mints. <laughs> and he's like, but please allow me to thank you. Apparently the visors on their helmets do have this like tinting so that you can't see the person's face. Which we did kind of see before, but this is much more close in. So the news reporter starts saying, and he has been rescued. But Marina runs up and is like, hey, Setsuna, is that you? He doesn't say yes or no either way. He just turns around and is basically like, yo, if you don't actually fix this, we're going to come back. Although she certainly recognizes his voice. And that's very similar to what he told her in the first place. And he tells her to fight for the god she believes in. And the emphasis on it in the dub specifically, but I think both versions is more on the god you believe in than the god you believe in. Interesting. So like, which, like I said before, I think is more proof to me that he sees Gundams as an ideal to strive for. And that's replaced religion in his life in a weird way. I think it does reinforce that, I think, because of especially what he said coming in here of I'll become a Gundam this time around. I hadn't really the first time I watched this, I didn't give it that kind of thought. I just thought, you know, this is a crazy dude who thinks he's a Gundam (laughs) as opposed to like this is this represents an ideal for this character. Yeah, Gundam means something different to him than it does to us. It's not just a cool mobile suit thing. So whenever you get 100 kills and he yells, we are all Gundams, and Gundam moves out, <laughs> it feels like more of a compliment. Uh, it's so easy to get 100 kills in that game, too. Yeah. And then the uh, the Gundam just leaves. <laughs> it just floats out. And then Daryl is like, yo, uh, Lieutenant, we could go after that Gundam and get him right now. He doesn't have any weapons. And, and Graham is like, are you kidding? The PR would be so bad. J. Jonah Jameson would demand pictures of me. <laughs> Graham Aker, threat or menace. I feel like this is one of those things where Graham is like, I would love to grab it because that's my objective, but I as a person can't bring myself to do it when he showed up here for a mission of mercy. Cut to the pink mobile where they all let out a sigh of relief and Lockon's like, is this going to have any long-term solutions though? And chun like, no, but it's a first step, so they can try now to resolve conflict. We now did- we've given them the tools to fix their own damn problem. <laughs> I like how Sumeragi raises a toast to, to herself. herself. <laughs> yes. It's well, I feel like good. she's more, it, it seems more like she's toasting uh, Setsuna to me. She's actually toasting Veda, specifically. <laughs> Alejandro also has a pretty satisfied look to the resolution. It's a very strong contrast to the end of the last two-parter where they were all like, oh, the Gundams are so cool. Why did the people in them suck so much? Whereas this time they're like, hey, we did, they did a good. And then we get like a uh, denouement here. Yeah, then the narrator steps in to be like, so Azedistan was, so the day was saved, thanks to the Powerpuff Meisters. <laughs> <laughs> but conflict in Azedistan still reigns to this day. <laughs> yeah, just, to, you know, Rachmati explained this is what actually happened and all that stuff. The city is still looming under the constant threat of Mojo Jojo. <laughs> And no one has stepped forward to claim responsibility for the kidnapping. They released a joint announcement pleading to end the Civil War and refrain from terrorist activities. I think that is probably my favorite line on there. (laughs) Please do not do a terrorism. (laughs) Please do not do terrorism. (laughs) During the whole denouement narration, the beginning of the ending theme is starting to play, and we end the episode on a shot of Setsuna looking over a Zedistan, and the music cuts out for that before cutting back in for the ending sequence, and I think it's really nicely done, so I just wanted to bring attention to that. Specifically, he's looking over a burned-out city in a Zedistan. Yeah, it's a very nice touch. And that is the end of the episode, which, again, I think is another pretty good one. We get a lot of stuff on Setsuna, the 
tension pretty much works. Sanchez gets a little fight again. It is an interesting differing tension point because it's not a direct conflict point. It's pretty interesting. And it's like, I think this is the episode that like really starts to get you into like what exactly Setsuna is trying to accomplish by being a member of Celestial Bean, which I think is pretty interesting. And I, I hope we get more of that for the other Meisters and like really most of the cast. I also think this is a way more interesting threat for Celestial Being to have to deal with. Yeah. Off off the mics, we were kind of talking about how the Gundams have been slowly depowered in this series and how they are starting to be threatened more by Sergei in a couple episodes ago and by Graham and Sanchez in these couple of episodes. But I think it's much more interesting for them to have to deal with threats that they can't just overwhelm, that they have to come out sideways from. It is more interesting than just, I have more technology and firepower than you do therefore i win so i I definitely like them creating these additional problems and it does kind of give the idea of there is more to celestial being than just we're going to beat you into peace so do you have a high point tyler i mean i'm gonna take the obvious one i think um which is setsuna's slow walk scene it's just pretty good. He becomes a Gundam. Good job, Setsuna. It's just sad it wasn't set to that Yu Yu Hakusho sad song. You know the one I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I do exactly know which one you're talking about, yes. <laughs> Zach? I think I want to go with uh, Lock-On at, at the helm of his sniper rifle. Also pretty good, yeah. Well, I thought I was going to be rusty, but no, I'm fine. Mine is the scene between Graham and Setsuna. Both Setsuna saying what he thinks and Graham being like, oh, I'm leaking information. Who knows why? And Billy being like, no, seriously, why? Tell me. (laughs) What the hell are you doing? I love that despite the fact that Billy and Graham are implied to hang out all the time, Billy has no idea what Graham's doing like 80% of the time. And that is hilarious to me. Well, I feel like Billy and Graham got together to be friends because Billy was always that guy like that was like, you know, Graham is going to do something. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be funny. And then that is just translated over into their working lives. Yeah, no, that makes sense. He's such a Libra. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I guess I'm going to go with the fact that Marina gave direct orders not to fire on the Gundam and then people just disobeyed her anyway. <laughs> what is she doing as princess? Well, I mean, the, the first guys, like, I don't think they were actually under her control in the first place. I, I agree with that, yeah. But the fact that the amps immediately are like, yeah, our princess orders not to shoot you, so shoot him anyway. Just like, poor Marina, she's been having such a rough couple of days, and like, this is not, she's not had a lot of good boosts to her self-esteem as princess recently, and I feel like this is just another kick in the shins. Zach, do you have a low point? Wow, didn't you think it was amazing how many bullets hung long dodged (laughs) in that rescue mission? (laughs) He rolled really well. No, they rolled very poorly. Yeah, that's fair. That's how D&D works. It seems like they just a... need to spray a little bit, and he should be full of blood. And by full of, I mean out of. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not guaranteed, obviously, to land hits like that, but he's running straight at people who are trained, you know, mercenaries. This is literally what they do for a living, and they can't hit him at all. It's just silly, especially when you could set it up in a different fashion that would make it would make more sense. Like, him coming from behind. I think it's fully intentional. I think it's supposed to be the cool anime moment. It's just, that's a thing that works in G Gundam, where they're ridiculous martial artists. And in this series, the serious level is a little too high. Especially because in G Gundam, it sets it up at the very beginning of the series when Domon catches bullets, like literally catches bullets. <laughs> Which, like, that's fine in that series. This is supposed to be a more serious, you know, realistic Gundam series. Realistic in heavy quotes. So the fact that he's just, like, dodging bullets, it's like, 
uh, we've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, like, it came so out of nowhere. It's weirdly out of place. But he is Chun Li's brother, so he does no spinning bird kick. That is true. On a similar vein, mine is going to be the great A plus five star, highly paid, earn every penny security detail of Marina Ismail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the bargain bin security. Make the bodyguards of the average Gotham socialite look like elite mercenaries. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, because we saw how good the elite mercenaries were. <laughs> Do you have a MVP, Tyler? Who is my MVP? You know what? I think my MVP this episode is Setsuna. Uh, that's fair. He, he does a lot of introverting. Introverting? <laughs> that I don't know what word I want. Introspection. He does a lot yep. of introspection. He gets to accomplish his goal. And do it well. Well, we don't know. Well, do we think he is a Gundam? He is like, oh, with this, I can become one. But do we think he's like, yes, I did a Gundam? I don't no, think I, he I, has I, reached, I, the, reached that status yet in his own head. And I, I think him stirring out over the city at the end of the episode proves that you're right, that he he doesn't think he's there yet. I think he thinks that he took a right step in doing what he did. Zach, who's your MVP? I, I want to give it to Marina because she could really use the boost <laughs> in confidence, but I think think I might have to go with Setsuna as well because like so much of this was kind of focused on Setsuna introspection and, and all that kind of stuff especially like his confrontation with Sachez and then later on you know handing off the Rock Mati guy and all that and like it is a very similar response to the first time he met Marina but also at the same time him like kind of giving her that little bit of a uh, encouragement of you know fight for the god you believe in so I think I got to give it to Setsuna. Also, something I want to mention really briefly is that we were all commenting on how amusing it was that Setsuna like, put on the innocent act so easily. It's really weird considering how incredibly stoic he is that he is actually a good actor. Apparently not good enough since Graham figured him out. Well, uh, he's Graham. He has super... I mean, he, I, guess he, <laughs> I guess he did fool Billy. Yeah, he has Graham super sharp insanely powers. insanely high insight check. Exactly, yeah. I'm going to go with Graham. I was between Setsuna and Graham, but I really like that bit with Graham we were just talking about where he has the insight on Setsuna and he purposely leaks the information to him, presumably to help Azeta Stan. And I like the ending where he's like, no, we can't go after them now. They're both very good moments. Like He doesn't have a lot, like a, a huge amount of screen time in this episode, but the screen time he does have, he uses very well. I will say this is, like, actually a pretty fun two-parter. Like, I think I like Gundam Double O, guys. I think this is maybe a good show. And like I said at the beginning, my hope in covering it for the podcast was I would come to an appreciation for it that a lot of people have. Because when I watched it, I also thought it was a good show. I came away with the feeling like, yeah, that's a pretty good one. I kind of get it. I don't think it's as good as Gundam Seed, but I do kind of get it. And watching it for the podcast, I've reached that earlier. Because it wasn't until the halfway mark, really, in the first one that I really got into it. I'm trying to figure out why I stopped watching this series in the first place because there was a there was a significant event that I got to and I don't honestly know why I stopped. I think it was just one of those situations where I I like all right I'll come back to this later and then just Didn't. never did. I genuinely think it has a rough start, but I think that of pretty much every gun. Yeah, series. but I I got past this the first time yeah. around. So yeah. or not the first time around, but I I have gotten past this before. So I'm not entirely sure. Why I stopped watching it? <laughs> Do we want to add the end act to our mobile suit list? It will show up a few more times, but we don't have it on there yet. And we it, don't? It did get a bit of a spotlight this week. No, we have the Hellion, the worst end act, and the flag. Wow, I we thought don't... we had the end act too. Nope. That one we have not done yet. 
It's slightly better than the flag. That's my opinion. It's I think it's slightly worse than the flag. Than the flag. <laughs> uh, well, okay. <laughs> I do think it's better than the Taros, though. Yeah. I think it's worse <laughs> than the Amp. I actually agree with you, Zach. So, again, the question, is it better or worse than the Gundam Altron Gian? <laughs> I think it's actually kind of funny, because I think we went over a lot of the reasoning for why the Enact goes in this neighborhood on the last episode when we were talking about the uh, Enact, but or not the Enact, the Amp. Um, anyway, I think the Enact is actually worse than the Altron Gian in this case, and specifically because we're dealing with two different derivative suits here, and... The Altron GN at least tried to add a little bit of additional character into it, even though it's freaking ridiculous. But the Enact has a really stupid fucking looking head. And like <laughs> I kind of love that though. It is just a worse, more elaborate version of an already extant grunt suit. So it's like, would you rather this shit or slightly more shit? So I would put it below the Ultron GN because at least the Ultron GN is based on something that's actually kind of cool. Here's my argument. We got to see some stupid anime martial arts in this episode, and I'm hyped for it. So I also think the GN goes above. Yeah, I'm actually in perfect agreement with Zach. Like, (laughs) everything he said, I agree with, actually, which I don't think has ever happened in talking about a mobile suit before. So the Enact will go at number 81 above the Taros and below the Gundam Ultron GN. So the big question is, with the next mobile suit we rank, will we be talking about the Altron Gian again? Uh, we sh- should, just to make it a running joke. <laughs> I don't really think there are a lot of Gundam 00 suits left in this territory. With the Enact on the list, we are up to 100 mobile suits. So that's an interesting... Wow. That's fun. The Enact was number 100. Yes. I kind of feel like we should have had something special for number 100, like the RX-78 or something. <laughs> do we want to do that? We can do that right now. Sure, I'd, I'd rank the original RX-78. Um, it's going pretty high in my opinion. I mean, it feel it just feels like for number 100 that it's something special, so. <laughs> I have often referred to the Dual Gundam as the better RX-78. Um, and I think I disagree because the RX-78 has a preposterously versatile arsenal. I like its color scheme slightly better. I mean, it has the traditional Gundam color scheme, which granted it was the starting point of the traditional Gundam color scheme. I actually kind of prefer the like the blue and orange that the dual Gundam has to the like red, severe white, and red, white, and blue color scheme of the original RX-78. I also slightly prefer the color scheme, but I think the reason I think the dual is superior is just because it's animated in a style I like more. When it comes to like model kits and stuff, I do actually think the RX-78 ends up looking better. Uh, my RX-78 is dead. Rest in peace. <laughs> and you're looking up for it for reference. No, it's I, down. I, I can. I know. I, I can see that it's down. And I, I remember it being down this time. I just. I regularly just glance at his collection. I don't know why. I just do. Probably because it's cool. Yeah, there's a lot of them. They're pretty cool. I, I need um, to add to it. Um, but my argument in favor of the RX-78 is Gundam Javelin and Gundam Bazooka and Gundam Hammer. Those are dumb things, but they do stand out. And I yes. think. It does end up going slightly above the duel because the duel is derivative of it, right? The duel wouldn't exist without the RX-78. Yeah, that is that is definitely a good point. I mean, and it is the problem of, like, the duel is better animated because it came out 30 years later. I was going to say that the RX-78 gets points for the fact that its head can change shape at will, apparently. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I definitely like the RX-78, especially as a starting point. There is a reason why as soon as I got access to it in the... Uh, in Super Robot Wars 30, I immediately stuck somebody else in it, so it wasn't being unused. Like I said, I'm so sad they didn't give you Sela, because I was so looking forward to sticking Sela in the RX-78 <laughs> when I got Amuro his new Gundam. So going up quite a bit, the AL Strike is obviously inspired by the RX-78, 
but I legit think the Ale Strike is better. I, I think it I has agree. a much better color scheme. The backpack isn't too much. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. The, the color balance is definitely better in the Ale Strike. I like the proportions in the Ale Strike quite a bit better. The backpack, I think, actually fills it out a, quite a bit. Because the other Gundam looks weird, or the Yark 78 looks weirdly, like, kind of like it's missing something. And probably because, like, every Gundam since has had, like, wings or a backpack or something like that on its back. Yeah, even the Mark II has a bigger backpack. And the RX-78 does have a backpack, but it's not very big, and there's not a lot of attention drawn to it. The one thing I do like about it as a kind of stylistic feature a little bit better than the L-Strike is kind of how blocky it is. It's got, like, the big square vents. Its legs are less rounded than future iterations, but I don't think it's enough to put it over the L-Strike for me. This is going to be a weird comparison, but I think it's apt. How do we think it compares to the Gaia Gundam? Because I think the Gaia Gundam's actually very basic as a Gundam, and it does transform into a doggo. But <laughs> like when I think of its design, I think it's very RX-78 or RX esque, but it has those like extra cannons on it that I actually really like. So I actually like the Gaia slightly more than the RX-78. <sighs> I don't like transforming mobile suits, as I've uh, said every time it comes up. So here's where I pull up the YouTube video of the RX-78 turning into a literal tank, the dumbest transformation <laughs> in all of Gundam. Oh, God, that, it does that? Tell me now, once you forget it does that, it was just to sell a toy. It doesn't actually do that. Ignore that it did that. It doesn't do that. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I do like about the RX-78 is that it has an ejection system. That's true. You don't see in a lot of Gundam series. But I think I agree with you. I think the Gaia Gundam goes above it for me, in part because, like, I really like that color scheme that the Gaia Gundam has going on for it. I actually agree. Um, the Gaia is pretty solid for me. Okay, this comparison I'm only making because Catra shares a voice actor with Amuro in English. <laughs> the and Sandrock? Yeah, I think it's way better than the Sandrock. The Sandrock, in my opinion, is a bad Gundam. I like the Kofesh that the Sandrock has, but other than that, it's so bland of a Gundam. I actually like its skirt. I like its color scheme for I wish it had more pops of color. It, it but... is very, like, it does have that black, kind of black and gold, but it's specifically on the torso. But I, I, I grew Jeremy. I think the RX-78 is above the Sandrock. No, I was going to say, I think I probably like the Sandrock the most of us, but I agree. I think I like the RX-78 bit, or better. Weird I didn't already compare to this, but it is much up high, it's up much higher than I thought it was. How do we think it compares to the duel with the Assault Shroud? I actually also think it's better because the Assault Shroud ends up making the duel look bulky. I actually think duel with Assault Shroud is worse. Um, I, I, I'm, I was outvoted at the time. I think I like the Assault Shroud more for kind of the exact reason you said. I like the additional bulk that it gives it and the like the missile launcher and railgun. I, I like those ideas. The color scheme is still better than the RX-78. And I still think the RX-78 has a better color scheme. So I, I think I'm going to give it to the original Gundam on that one. Okay. Barely. It's just an odd selection in here, so I'm trying to think of what I want to go <laughs> Is for. wing in there? No, the wing is, uh, uh, we have the wing above the Alstrike, actually. Okay. Yeah. I, I was I was just checking because it's another main character Gundam, so. Uh, okay, so if we want to go by that logic, the only main character Gundam left in here is the Sword Impulse. <laughs> yeah, that's why I wasn't going for it, but you, you have forced my hand. Uh, that, That's hard, because. <laughs> yes. Like, I do taking out the whole impulses stupid fucking gimmick the color balance is much better or i maybe not better but i like the color scheme for the impulse uh better in that form i agree but i don't like the stupid dual anti-battleship swords that it carries um i kind of do but i prefer a classic gundam loadout but i do like that the sword impulse has a gun too like it's, it's a weird it, thing to it's, like there's they're so big that's why i don't like them so much is because they are they, they are too big to be dual-wielded 
in my opinion. They just look silly. I kind of like I'd that I can, though. I think I'd have to go with the original RX-78 over the Sword Impulse, because while I do like the color scheme more for the Sword Impulse, the fact that it comes in with that balanced loadout for the RX-78, plus it can carry whatever else it needs, puts it above the specifically the Sword Impulse, because we ranked all three of the Impulse modes as their own. Yeah. So... That's a fair point, and as much as I argued for the RX-78's, like, ridiculous loadout that it has, I think I like the Sword Impulse a little bit better. It's pretty close. Oh, no, do you have a compelling argument one way or the other, Jeremy? I, yeah, I'm really torn. My, I lean towards the Sword Impulse, but I, I'm really torn on I think I like the Sword Impulse more. So the final question, is it better or worse than the Destroy Gundam? <laughs> Once the big Zam is mass produced, we'll put an end to the Federation in no time. Oh wait, this is a destroy Gundam. Mass producing them makes them worse. <laughs> I think I would have to give it to the RX seventy eight because again, we go back to the original, or at least part of the points that I've made before. The destroy Gundam is derivative of two different mobile suit things at the same time, and it's worse than both. So. Like, it does have a neat color scheme. And again, it's got a saucer that, mode. Well, that's my point. It's, <laughs> it's worse than a big Zam in saucer mode, and it's worse than a Psycho Gundam in Gundam mode. So it's like, and then you mass produce them, and they apparently become made out of tissue paper and explosives. So, like... <laughs> Look, you need a lot of munitions for it to destroy Gundam. <laughs> so I, th- I think I'd have to go with the original RX-78. I think I agree with Zach. I think it's a much more solid design than the Destroy. So almost incredibly satisfyingly, the RX-78 goes at number 51. Ah. (laughs) Above the Destroy Gundam and below the uh, Sword Impulse. It's the Mario of the mobile suit list. Well, I mean, it it also, it birthed everything that's above it, more or less. Like, it's the granddaddy of them all. There's a lot of Zeta Gundam DNA in a lot of mobile suits. But yes, you're not wrong. Because obviously there's Gundam in the Zeta Gundam. But I think the Zeta is more original than a lot of other ones. Well, I mean, like the the Gundam is like the like I said the granddaddy. So it's 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 the ancestor that everything else is descended from, including the uh, it's not the Galahad. Um, The Gawain is the Mm. one that we put on there, and it's the most different of the lot. Is there anything else we want to say about this episode, guys? I really like this episode. I like the fact that they had to like come at this problem in a sideways angle. I like the rescue. I mean. Hong Long's whole, like, I run up and punch you in the face thing, or kick you in the face, it's really silly, but, like, lock on with the sniper rifle and all that, that's actually really cool, in my opinion. I don't think we would have had anything bad to say about that scene if it had been handled very slightly differently. Like, like even he, so. like, paratro- uh, he like parachutes in, like a James Bond character, and kicks them. Yeah. Like, even that. And they don't see him in time to shoot him. Like, I don't think it's a bad scene by any stretch. No. I think that's just a little bit, like, that is a silly single shot in that scene um i I don't know i like this episode i like this as a two-part episode this is pretty good it really gets into more a little bit more world building because we're getting a little bit more like i mean it's this one specific area but it is helping to build that out and we've complained a lot about how gundam double has been light on details and even though we want more in this azetistan we finally got some well i mean i specifically want more of, of marina not so much as Zetistan, I want more of what is Marina's deal. So, I mean, maybe you consider that the same thing, but... Alright, It's a Gundam will return in Dawn of Determination.
That's a scary face. <laughs>